everybody! It's me, Thaddeus McFaddeus, and welcome to the Which One's Bigger podcast. Well, let's kick it right off. Which one's bigger? A four-door sedan or your average St. Bernard grown adult dog about four years male? Which, which one's bigger? Call in now at our toll-free number, or text us at 555-555-555, and let us know which one y'all think's bigger. While you're doing that, let's do a free form. Which one's bigger? A grasshopper's eyebrow, or an elephant's tusk? That's me, Thaddeus McFaddeus. Asking the hard-hitting questions. Next week, we're going to have Ron DeSantis come in. We're going to ask him, which one, wait, which one's bigger? A two pound, (laughs) two pounds of guacamole? (laughs) Which one's bigger? Two pounds of guacamole or a king-size bed? Make sure you tune in every week to which one's bigger. (laughs) You guys, welcome back. Welcome back to you and me. Welcome back mostly to me. Because you never really went anywhere, did you? It was me who left. Pretty much. And I'm sorry for the absence. Let me look you in the eyes and sincerely apologize. But, and let me also apologize for yelling into the mic like I did. In that segment, that was too much. I don't know what I was thinking, but um, I'm back. I apologize for that intro. I thought it was funny. I thought of it maybe a minute before I started recording. The words Thaddeus McFaddeus popped into my head, and then I and then immediately after I was like, he sounds like a Southern guy. And what if uh, it was a really stupid podcast where he just wondered what was bigger than what, but the examples that he used were very obvious. And then he had guests on, and then the rest is history. He had Ron DeSantis on, here to do some campaigning. It was Ron DeSantis. Now, Ron, tell me real quick, which one's bigger? Two pounds of guacamole or a king-size bed? Tee-hee-hee. <laughs> 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 um... Welcome back to me, Gis, and you, Gis. Welcome back, all of us. <coughs> oh, man. To here in my humble abode, we are back in uh, Podgis's rudimentary uh, Shake Shack location here in my bedroom. I will make no bones about it. There, I'm not going to put any kind of illusion. It's, it's my room. There's the corner of my king-size bed. There's a uh, stuffed animal bear and uh, a thing on the wall. And look, this is how unprofessional I am. Let me just sidestep real quick for you. Look at that. Um, my suitcase and my merch. whole bunch of t-shirts that say so brave on them. So if you're a fan of mine, go to merchmonkey.ca and you can just order them delivered to your goddamn door. So why not do that? I have two different t-shirt styles in now. So what do you think of that? Um, I'm back. And this is why. Okay, so I couldn't do episodes. I couldn't do podcasts. And I apologize for my absence. But I also don't really apologize at the same time. And I'm going to make sure I stay in the shot. This is good. I have. I don't want to sit down. I want to sit up. Let me adjust. There we go. Nice and tall and straight. Um, I won't apologize. I will not apologize. Because I was in Europe for a while there. And then, um, this week I didn't release an episode when I got back because I was still dealing with some jet lag. I had to hit the ground running with a whole bunch of stuff. I... If you're wondering, if you're watching this on YouTube and, you, and you're and you saying, Hey, wait a minute. Why does Alval look so especially done up and so especially pretty, you ask? Oh no, I just pulled a hair out of my extension. Which way? This way? What am I? Who am I? Vidal Sassoon? 
evidently not. Um, yeah, that's good. Uh, if you're wondering why I'm so done up, so all pretty like, I, uh, shot an episode of Dating Unlocked today. Uh, it's a dating show. It's an LGBT dating show on, um, OutTV, which, so I know this is probably bothering you guys. There, I'll fix it. Which is on Apple TV, which is also where you can find drag heels. There we go. Okay, I won't fuss with it anymore. I'm I'm sorry. I should close this window, but I gotta make sure I'm in frame. Anyways, um, I shot a dating show, a reality dating show today, and I'm gonna tell you all about that. Where should I start? Europe or or just what's immediately relevant on my brain from today? I'll I'll do I'll keep it short. I'll do short. I'll keep today short and then I'll and then I'll wax poetic all about Europe because Europe was magical. It was so magical. I fell in love. I went out there and I was a new woman and I went out there and I looked around and I said, "Wow." Who are these cool people? Um, oh, what a cool bohemian lifestyle you all live. Bohemian, I love that word. Does it mean what I think it means? Just like a carefree, free love, sexing around, um, not hard drugs, but like chilling, the, the chill drugs, LSD and pot and mushrooms. The chill hallucinogenics, you know? Anyways, um, let's talk today, and I'll go to Europe. How's that? You have no say in the matter. What is she doing, drinking beer out of a can? Maybe. I mean, drinking beer out of a straw? I don't want to ruin my lipstick, because... Great segue. I filmed today uh, an episode for season two of this uh, show on Apple TV slash OutTV, both. I think OutTV is on Apple TV. Anyways, um, season two of Dating Unlocked. And it's uh, it's an LGBT dating show. And I got to be a hero. So I got hooked up with this through I didn't have to fucking submit or audition. I did have to send some answers to some questions, but um, I don't need to flex. But the executive producer of Drag Heels is also producing this show, and um, he and I are pals now. We've formed a good relationship. He, he digs my stuff. He thinks I'm entertaining. He thinks I make good television. And God damn it, I fucking do, though. You know what I mean? Like, Drag Heels, I look back on Drag Heels, and of course I cringe. Of course I do. Because that was a year and two to three months ago. I was like a year and a bit into my transition. And so naturally, I was clumsy and I was insecure. And I'm still insecure. But <laughs> much more so. I was in, of course, like a different uh, phase of my transition. And things changed so dramatically. And it's hard to see that when you're so close. But just one year ago, seeing that footage come out, mind-blowing mind to me. And it's cringe, but I have always been... What the fuck point was I trying to make? I have always been me. Unapologetically me. And even in that, that especially during that phase, I was just... I bore my soul. I told people what I was going through. No holds barred. I didn't hold anything back and like... He, he respected it, made good for, for good TV, and I approached it with grace and humor and uh, honesty and vulnerability. But anyways, so producer and I get along. We, he's cool. So he hired me for this, and my role was hero. So usually for, like, commercials, and I don't know for, for what else I'm... I'm honestly not that experienced with on-camera work besides the odd commerce. And um, 
And so for this show, there would be a hero and there would be daters. And the hero is the one who everyone is is courting, courting. And the daters are the ones competing for the hero's selection. So basically, I got to be the one to like eliminate people down to one. And then, of course, at the end, in the end, it's up to the one person to decide if they want to reciprocate. And I will give no spoilers. Of course, you're going to have to watch the episode. And and so that's why this is good. I'm starting with this because it'll be brief. But <clears throat> I'll tell you this. When the episode comes out, I'll be able to give a more thorough commentary. How's that? But I will say a few things. First of all, I was so nervous about flirting in front of cameras. I was very nervous about the potential of feeling pressured to kiss or to make body contact. I'm very, um, I'm playful and friendly with people. I love, I love, ever since I transitioned, I love an arm touch. I love to reach out and touch somebody ever so gently on their forearm. That's my new favorite move. Or a shoulder. A shoulder's good, but like, there's something so gentle and loving about but also like platonic about a forearm touch where you just rest it right there and then you take it off. <coughs> and eye contact, I think a forearm touch with eye contact is one of the most graceful and, and disarming and non-invasive harmless ways of like connecting emotionally with somebody. That's my move. And of course, and you know, it's not my fucking signature move. Everybody does it, but it's a move I love to do because it makes me feel closer to people. Anyways, <laughs> focus kiss. Um, I was nervous about flirting on TV and I was nervous about boundaries being crossed and stuff like that, being touched when I didn't want to, but it's really interesting. A show like this had, what are they called again? What were they called again? What was their job? An intimacy? An intimacy? Guardian? Not a guardian. An intimacy coordinator, I think it was. Where her job was to uh, continuously and repeatedly um, check in. And she, and of course she was like, I hope this isn't annoying, but it's my job and I have to do this but I have to pull you aside and ask how you're feeling and what, how your boundaries are changing and where you're at right now. And if there's anything I can do, it's just very considerate and very, um, yeah, just, you feel so supported and, and caressed and fostered and, and your boundaries are super respected. So, uh, the second you feel pressured, they had, uh, they had a safe word. They hated calling it a safe word. But um, mustard, if you wanted to pause, you could also say pause. Um, uh, if if things were getting a bit, if boundaries were getting pushed uncomfortably or if you needed to take a second to like reassess or take a breather, you would just say mustard and everybody would kind of stop. And the person and the coordinator would come in and they would lean in very gentle like and say, hi, so what's on your mind? What's going on? And you could say, I'm just... I just want to kind of back up a little bit. Anyways, that never happened. And your girl, Ava Guess, pushed some boundaries. I'm going to leave it at that. Your girl pushed some boundaries. And your girl met some interesting people. And your girl will give nothing more away. Except to say it was really fun. And I couldn't believe you go into something like that thinking, oh boy, it's, it's just a cheesy reality dating show. They all make me roll my eyes. If they're not downright degrading and, um, disappointing and debilitating to my faith in humanity, <coughs> then they are cheesy and silly and who gives a fuck. But this one was cute 
and adorable and our episode not to not to toot my own horn but i make good goddamn tv and so did the contestants we all got along and it was really fun stuff and we did some interesting activities we did like a a sort of a phone sex thing that was funny and then um and i brought it and we did a bikini thing i wore a bikini we did a pool thing except the pool was filled with big beach balls and so i wore skimpy bottoms and nobody saw the skimpy bottoms so it was that was kind of a scam <laughs> no one got to see my ass no one got to see my big fat juicy ass what the fuck is the point of any of this if no one can see my big fat juicy ass what's the point of my working out on the bike for hours at a time at the gym if no one can see my big fat juicy ass what's the point of going on television at all if anyone can see my big fat juicy ass why do I even have a big fat juicy ass? <laughs> um anyways. Whoa, what's it's this is all tangled. Don't do that. Algus. Hey, girl. Focus. There we go. I just need to untangle that. Um But anyways. It was great. I'm not gonna give any more away. But it was a pleasant surprise. It was a pleasant surprise. My boundaries were challenged, but in a way that I went along with and felt very, um, very willing. Full, full consent. Really fun. I can't wait till that episode comes out. I'm sure as shit not telling my family. Um, but it's not raunchy. It's not overly, but it, there is a little bit of sexiness in it. And if you want to see me flirt... And if you want to see me uh, in action, as as in dating action, check it out when it comes out. You know I'm going to tell you all about it. So, um, Also, I got my makeup done professionally. I love, I love when other people do my makeup. I love it. A few people have screwed it up royally, and I've walked away from a handful of situations in which I was like, oh, your confidence doesn't match your skill. But if, but you know, I say that in my head, they're all, uh, I love, I love doing it anyways. It's, it's an experience. And I think it's really uh, a fun activity for somebody who's like really eager to try it and do it on my canvas face. I think it's fun, but it's, it's just fucking next level when a professional does it. When I got my makeup done for a wedding last year, I looked so beautiful. Uh, fucking TikTok reminded me of that. And boy, oh boy, I looked so beautiful. And um, and today I feel so pretty. And every time I get my makeup done by somebody on a, on a set, of course they're going to make me look as beautiful as possible. And I wish I knew some of their tricks because it's like subtle but big at the same time. And like, I'm wearing lipstick. And to me, every time I put on lipstick or paint my lips, I feel like a fucking clown. And it always offsets what I fixate on is a five o'clock shadow that doesn't exist that most people don't see. But me, I just, that's all I imagine. That's all I conjure up in my head. Anyways, um, so getting your makeup done by a profesh is just mwah, chef's kiss. <coughs> I used to, when I was first exploring my femininity and going out in public or, or even, you know, staying in and doing my makeup, taking it off at the end of the night, which I would delay until two or three in the morning, um, because taking, off, taking it off at the end of the night would always be just such a de depressing experience. And of course, that was indicative of how badly I wanted to be a woman. However, it manifested itself. It, it's, you know, it's hard to distinguish moments like those because being a woman is much more, of course, than just wearing a pretty face of makeup. But, um, but it was more than that because, of course, you take all that off and then you go back to looking a lot more manly. Um, 
And so, of course, that was very depressing. And now it's much less depressing, of course, because I get to wake up and be me again in the morning. And uh, that's an irreplaceable feeling. And, whoa, I just got goosebumps. And, um, but still, you know, when you look your best, of course, there is just a, a pang of like, oof, um, of taking it off at the end of the night and looking at yourself. I used to have a joke that I took out of my act. I retired it. I, oh man, I should look for it on, I could splice it. Now that it's retired, I should go back and find it and share it. Because fuck it, sharing old clips of me is cringe. And I know a lot of trans people probably feel the same way. Like anything that isn't up to date is hard to share because we go through such enormous growth. And of course, transphobes love to share old fucking photos of us before we started at the early stages just to be like, yeah, you're always going to be a man. I don't, they still use like early transition photos being like, yeah, it really worked out for you, didn't it? And you're like, that was from three fucking years ago. People, are you so stupid that you think people don't change? Or are you pretending that they don't just to make some kind of a cruel point? Because it's not working. Either way, it doesn't fucking work. The passage of time exists, you moron. Anyways, um... So, all this to say, getting my makeup done professionally is, uh, it always feels like a waste at the end of the day. Hence, I'm in high spirits after the shoot today. I'm exhausted. I had to be up at five in the morning because they told me to show up hair and makeup ready. And um, I did for the most part. I, I started on some eyeshadow. I painted in my eyebrows a little bit, gave them a little shape. Um, but the makeup artist just fucking finished me off. Bleh. Uh, yeah. And I, and I just love it. Anyways. Who cares? Um, stop texting me. People are texting me. Stop it. Knock it off. Um, <coughs> take a quick little sip of beer out of a straw. Glug, glug, glug. Quick question for my viewers slash listeners. And you could just say yes or no out loud. Um, is my voice becoming more feminine? Is there improvement there? I feel today like there is. And I think it's a result of trying extra hard all day. Yes. But I'm not trying so hard that it's that it sounds um, sounds forced. I, I hope to think it sounds, I just, I don't think it quite, of course, sounds passably female yet, but I am going to be my worst critic and I think it's getting better. I think it's getting better. I didn't have much of a chance to use it in Europe because I was sick half the time. And that brings me to Europe. That brings me to Europe. Um, oh, bring me back to Europe, though. Bring me back. Bring me back to the paradise of one of those little girls in Stockholm City. Berlin Sex Club. Um... I wrote little notes, little point form notes to be able to recall. <coughs> so we'll see. I'll just riff it and then take a look down, see if I missed something. Take a quick little swig. This, hey, this podcast was brought to you by uh, two things. Refrigerators and a one liter jug of milk. Which one's bigger? The refrigerator? Or the jug of milk? That's a trick question because you put the jug of milk in the refrigerator. And if and if you figure that out, you'd be able to know which one's bigger. Because you wouldn't be able to put the refrigerator in the jug of milk. You'd have to put the jug of milk 
in the refrigerator. Hence, the jug of milk being not as big, therefore, the refrigerator being bigger. <laughs> I hope that's as funny to you as it is to me, but also I don't, because fuck you if you don't think so. Um, here we go. Too much, too much. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, that's funny. You, you're, you're drinking, and then you yell at yourself too much, cause you drink. Cause I couldn't stop the strawing. I couldn't stop sucking. You guys. Too much, too much. <laughs> um. Okay. 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 So Europe, I was booked to perform for a week of shows at Ladder Comedy Club in Oslo, Norway, or as they pronounce it, Latter, which is, of course, Oslovian for laughter. JK, JK, it's Norwegian. Of course, you know, you knew that. You knew I was kidding. This choker is starting to kind of irritate me. This choker is living up to its name, but I'm leaving it. You can't even see what I'm wearing. Cute, huh? Huh? Um, my fucking look at how jacked my arms are. I'm I'm built like One Punch Man, but I got hair. What is his name? Saitama. I'm built like Saitama. Um. Okay, so I did a week of shows in Oslo at Latter Comedy Club, and. Uh, I had a two-hour layover in Reykjavik, Iceland, which is... F huh. Don't you think it's kind of funny that Iceland and Greenland are a thing, and Iceland is green, and Greenland is all ice? What's the deal? Um, so I had a two-hour layover in Reykjavik, so of course I couldn't... All I saw of Reykjavik was through the airplane window as we were landing and taking off. I had some good sleeps on the plane. I'm a good, I'm a sleepy traveler. Quote it, Alval the sleepy traveler. That's what I would have a documentary of. If I had a travel uh, show, um, it would be, it would still be segments of me like trying the local cuisine and meeting local people and um, engaging in local customs. But I, but every, but, but between every segment would be me napping on a plane or on a bus, on a train, or on the back of some Vespa. That would be funny, just bumping around with my head all loose and bobbly. I'm sleeping on the back of some Italian guy's Vespa and he's like, ciao, bella, and pointing at stuff, but I'm not awake. I'm sleeping behind him. My, my hands are like loosely around his waist. Could fall off at any second. Alval, the sleepy traveler. Um, but I sleep. I fall asleep. I get so sleepy in transit. Um, unless I'm driving, in which case I'm so good at, like, willpowering myself awake. Um, except when I was a courier and I would get so close to falling asleep at the wheel constantly. But other than that, <laughs> when I'm on the road, I will myself awake. But um, whenever I'm a passenger, I'm Sleepy Jones. And so um, I basically slept the entire flight to Europe. So when I got there, motherfucker, jet lag was nary a thing. And I adapted immediately. Although people say that it's always easier to adapt there than it is back. It's always harder to um, adjust when you come back. Which I guess makes sense, but I'm not going to get into it. Who cares? Um, and so I got to Oslo. I did a week of shows at Lotter. And what's crazy about... Okay, so I'm going to preface this by saying I did not bomb. I, I did not bomb any of the shows with Monica Lewinsky. Um... The worst I did was Wednesday. They had they had one show every night, Tuesday through Saturday. And they had two shows each Friday and Saturday. And first of all, their shows 
We're at 6.30 p.m. 6.30 p.m. Every day. And then the two, the doubles on Friday and Saturday, the late show, quote unquote, was at 8.30. That's late for Oslo. And so, first of all, um, people in Oslo retire so early in the night. Things close down. There's no, you don't really, especially during the week, of course. But even on the weekend, I felt like no bars, nothing was bustling. After the 8.30 show, everybody was just like, well, off I go to sleep now because that's how we do here. I'm going out on the fjord tomorrow. Got to get my sleep and be up early, of course. And so, that's, that's, they shut down so early. So that's number one, early, early shows, 6.30 p.m. Comedy shows. Um, secondly, and this just popped into my head, so this is 1B. Um, it's not much of a drinking culture. Because these shows are at 6.30, people are so soon off work that they're not, like, pre-drinking. They're not showing up hammered. And drinks in Oslo are fucking expensive. Crazy expensive. One mixed drink, I think, was like 17 bucks after you convert it from Norwegian kroner. Yeah, it's nuts. Bananas. Um, so they're not a boozy city, I noticed. Um, and audiences are so reserved. So, like I said, it's going to sound like I bombed, and I didn't. Because Tuesday, the first night, I crushed. It was awesome. Um, this club is so swanky. So swanky. It's beautiful. There's um, there's a second floor. There's a, an above and a, and a great kitchen with amazing food. The food was so good. Um, there's the main floor, and then they have... Two, they have two theaters, two smaller theaters. They have one outdoor theater and they have the big theater, the main stage, which is a repurposed IMAX theater. And it's this huge stage and it's, uh, what, 250 people? 300? 300 capacity in the main stage alone. And then, of course, like, two, was it 200? In the Tuesday, they packed the house on a Tuesday. 200 seats. It was so dope. And I fucking lit that place on fire. So on that first night, I was like, oh, baby. I am going to leave this city a hero. They are going to be pulling on my on my coattails. As I march my way to the plane, they're going to be like, no, I do have to go. and don't just stick around for another week of humor and comedy, maybe. Um, but, um, I formed a really good relationship with all the staff there are so lovely. Norwegians are really polite and, and sweet and they keep to themselves. So this is the point I was going to make is that they're very reserved, both in comedy and in public. Nobody really makes a lot of eye contact. Nobody goes out of their way to speak to each other, but... Because when, when you just strike up a conversation with someone at random, they're a bit taken aback because they don't really talk to each other. But they're polite and helpful. And um, that sort of carries over into how I noticed um, the way they receive comedy and the way they respond reminds me a little bit of weed rooms in North America. So audiences in Norway aren't as raucous. So typically jokes that I have that have a long petering out thing where it's like the sustain on the laugh. They're like, they're chuckling and laughing and it takes a, a few seconds for it to die. Love those. Hang on to that moment. Hang on to your face, your gesture, your whatever. Stretch it out. But in Norway, the, the drop off is much more um, sudden and much steeper. They like... If they like a joke, they'll laugh, yes. But then 
they but they won't laugh for long. They'll be like, "Yeah, that was a good one. Okay, what do you have next?" And uh, I don't even know if this is an accent or not. I don't think it is. It's something. I don't think it's anything. But um, mm. Norwegians are raised with a lot of English TV programming. I think they get the BBC or whatever. And I'm not talking about that big black cack. Um, they get they get the BBC. And so they grow up um, exposed very heavily to English media. And so they get a lot of references too. I think I made a Simpsons joke. And I check in with people and I'm like, do they? They don't have bike cops. But I did a bike cop bit anyways. And had to restructure it so I could give them enough context. But even the way I gave them context, I fucking turned it into a bit. And I am such a professional. And so um, Tuesday was great. Wednesday was milder. And I started to kind of question myself. But of course, um, the comics and the staff alike were like, um, hey, we we don't know what it's like in North America. But every North American comic that passes through here um, mentions that the crowds in Norway are a bit more reserved. And so they're like, so we just want to like corroborate that and make sure that you don't feel like you're bombing, which I did not, which I never did. And I'm not saying I did. Okay. (laughs) But yeah, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, just like if it, if it felt like it didn't even feel like I was bombing for a North American crowd. You know what I'm saying? I was just, and I'm very, one thing that I'm very proud of, the weather sucked. I'm not proud of that. I don't, I had nothing to do with that. <laughs> but, so the weather all week was rainy and overcast and um, cold and gray and shitty. The sun rarely came out. I think it came out like once for a 10 minute period. It just went, hello, I still exist. Okay, bye. And then disappeared into the clouds. Um, Because Storm Hans had arrived. Which is a cute, cute name for a storm, let me say. Hans. You know? It sounds like a, a rotund, a small rotund European boy who's just so polite. Who's so polite, even when it's stormy too much. He's like, you know, he's like, Hello, I thought the flowers would need a bit of rain. Okay, can I do some raining on the flowers? And then, boom, before you know it, the streets are flooded. And he's like, oh, did I do that? I sincerely apologize. I did not mean to cause a ruckus. I just wanted to water your flowers. I apologize. Is there anything I can do to help? No, Hans, just stop. Okay, are you sure everything is hydrated? I would love to make sure everything is properly hydrated. Um, so I... So the weather sucked. It did put a little damper on Oslo, but I saw some museums. I saw the Fram, which is a museum about a boat uh, that was responsible for a ton of arctic exploration and cartography it was it was just this cool explore exploration boat and between that and stockholm the vasa museum in stockholm and the from in oslo they were two different museums that had a whole fucking boat in the middle of it this huge massive boat in the middle of it that's that's the museum was a boat Hey, check out this boat. <laughs> was the premise of these two museums? And hell yeah, check out this boat. I'm in no way diminishing just how cool both of those museums were. Because they were both a hell of a boat. A fucking hell of a boat. Both of them. Anyways, I went to the Contiki Museum in Oslo, which was a really cool exhibit about this other boat. And this guy named Thor, a Norwegian guy, who wanted to prove recklessly. He had a phobia of water and he wanted to prove 
that he, okay, let me see if I remember this correctly and forgive me if I get this wrong, but this is what I remember is he saw Easter Island statues on Polynesian coasts and saw similar statues, not maybe not Eastern Easter Island style, but similar, maybe somehow Mayan. I don't know. There was, he drew a similarity between, um, the statues on each of these um, inter-oceanic continents. And, um, and proposed that there is, there was a current running across the ocean that sans sail, sans sail or, or pro sail with sail. I don't think with sail. I think his theory was that the current would just take this raft, this shitty little raft, him and five other people, six of them, on this, not so shitty, but it was still a raft, from one continent all the way across to the other. And um, and he did it. This guy with a phobia of water. And they had, they had footage of, there was a whale shark came up to them and was curious about the boat and for 10 minutes kind of circled it and swam underneath it and it was massive it dwarfed the boat and it made them all nervous so one of them i didn't like this part that they said but one of them harpooned it in the head and it swam away gentle giant you you fucking impaled a gentle giant in the head with a harpoon i get that you're afraid I get that it's in self-defense. There's this unpredictable beast. And I'm sure at the time they didn't know much about whale sharks. And, you know, you're on this dinky raft. So I get it. Would I have done the same thing? Probably. A giant whale shark. If, if I'm being circled by the Meg, I don't need to be Jason Statham to drive a harpoon in your ass. So I get it, but also it made me sad to hear that the whale was, was, or the shark, the whale shark, the both, um, was circling around harmlessly and then they heard it. So it, it just broke my heart to think about this gentle giant that was like, hello friends, what are you guys doing the, ah, 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 fuck, fuck and and just swimming away and crying under a under a big giant rock in the ocean going to the bottom of the ocean and crying big whale tears because he wanted to make friends and they slammed a fucking knife into his forehead <laughs> oh breaks my heart anyways um so that was cool that was really cool. The Contiki Museum and the Fram in Norway. So saw those museums, did some comedy. That was the end of Oslo. And then I went to Stockholm. And let me tell you, Stockholm really left an impression on me. I loved it. Um, that was also the end of my shows. I hadn't booked any more. I was considering maybe like looking for an open mic or something like that. but. There was a part of me that just wanted to vacation. I know I have a special taping coming up, and so I should be rehearsing. But there was a part of me that just wanted to embrace the experience. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And I don't regret it. And Stockholm was amazing. I've never stayed at a hostel before. And I stayed in a room with 15 other people. It was a 16-bed hostel. I was in the far corner. It was sweltering hot. Um, and I got sick. I started to get sick the Friday night at Norway. I didn't tell anybody. I know I was. Sorry. Um, and by the time I got to Stockholm, I'll be honest, I was pretty sick. And I'm not going to say it's COVID. I wasn't going to say it was COVID. I'm not good. I'm not going to speculate it was COVID. I ain't gonna imply it was cold. It was just regular cold. 
I wasn't cold. It was cold. I promise. Um, but boy, oh boy, I feel like the other fifteen people trying to get some sleep in that hostel hated me because I was just coughing and nonstop sniffing and snorting all night long. But I was considerate and I wore a mask indoors. Does that redeem me in any way? I hope so. Um, I wore a thong under my clothes and I walked around all day long in the sweltering hot sun and, uh, my butt would hurt by the end of the day. <laughs> you didn't need to know that, but I'm going to tell you everything about everything. And so, <laughs> and so, um, oh, okay, there's, oh, no, no, I'm going to refer back to my notes. So a couple things about Oslo. Let me track back real quick. So Oslo, I got slut shamed. I didn't realize that I dressed in the words of this woman. I give, whenever I see something I like on somebody, my policy is to, it's the opposite of if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. I mean, it's not the opposite. It's kind of just an extension where if you do have something nice to say, say it. And so uh, whenever I see somebody wearing a cute outfit or Whenever, like, a nice thought comes to my head, more often than not, I will have the courage to just come right out and say it to a complete stranger. Because I think there's real value in that. And I think, I believe it makes people's days. And it, and it just brightens the world a little bit. Anyways, I'm a saint. Um, but I saw a lady who wore this, she was wearing a beautiful dress. And this was before a show. She was in the lobby. She was by the bar. And um, the crowd was thinning. Everybody was moving into the theater. And I and I just waved her, waved at her. And I said, hey, uh, you look so gorgeous. Your dress is so beautiful. And you just look so beautiful. And she kind of like recoiled. Um, and, and said like a, a suspicious thank you. And so, uh, whatever, I didn't, I don't, I don't care the way people react. I said something nice. The rest is up to you, you know? Um, and so she, and after the show, she came up to me and she was like, oh my God, I was just telling my husband, I'm going to drop the accent. I'm not doing the accent. She was like, I was telling my husband before the show started, when we sat down, I was like, this this girl with a crop top, this girl with a belly top, complimented my dress. And the way she said it, she also followed with, she was like, and she said this pretty bluntly. Um, she was like, only teenagers and prostitutes dress like you do. <laughs> Which is like, this is all I was wearing. This. Eh. This, my belly top. It's not so slutty to show a belly button. I mean, <clears throat> belly buttons aren't even sexual. Unless you have a very particular kink, which I'm not shaming. But you don't really don't hear about belly button stuff at all. I personally, I hate when people touch my belly button. I rarely do. I think it's because I had surgery on it. I had a hernia, hernia operation and they went through my belly button. And I don't, I, ever since then, I can't even describe it, but ugh, I don't like touching my belly button. I don't like it. I hate it being touched by other people, but even by myself, it makes me uncomfortable. Isn't that weird? Yeah, I don't like touching it. Um, uh, so yeah. And then on top of that, one of the other comics implied he didn't even imply he like it was one of those things where he was like oh are you gonna wear the high heels again today and i was like that just sort of came out of nowhere i was like yeah why he's like it's just an interesting choice around here and i said Gua? and he said no no and he kept trying to backtrack but also he kept putting his foot in his mouth 
while trying to dig out of the hole. He was digging his way out by digging in further, and he basically implied that I dressed like a prostitute. So apparently in Oslo, belly tops are prostitutes. And that's, I guess, what I was. Also, um, it was really cool. Nobody, um, nobody batted an eye at me. Trans people are just so, they don't, they are so down with the LGBT. This is what's interesting, is that I will claim that Toronto is one of the more progressive cities in the world, and that, um, it is relative to, indeed, the rest of the world, one of the better cities to live in if you are LGBT. However, I think with as much progress as North America in general has made about the LGBTs B's, and T's, it still feels like it's a thing here. Whereas, and you can say, oh my god, we've made so much progress, look at how accepting we are of everybody. In in Norway, everyone is so about minding their own business that they have progressed beyond that. They have progressed to the point of like, they are so I don't give a shit that it's like not even a thing. Nobody stares. Nobody looks twice. Nobody bats an eye. You don't have to see fucking flags waving everywhere, even though you do see the occasional one. You don't, it's not necessary. Everybody's just like, everybody treats you like everybody else. Because even in Toronto, that's the thing. It's it's a thing, one way or the other, where people will either stare at you with hostility, and by you I mean me. People will, will either stare at me with hostility, or smile so wide, and put on their baby gloves so hard to just, you know, I get that you want to support me, but it's just, it's, just such a spotlight it draws so much more attention anyways oslo was like that i kept accidentally buying sparkling water that was another thing this is what i don't like about europe is they are so about sparkling water everywhere and i hate it i just think it's gross there's something about sparkling water that makes water taste worse to me i don't like it if it's fizzy it has to be sugary if it's fizzy it has to be pop if it's fizzy water what are you doing? Who cares? Water is life-giving and nourishing and hydrating. You don't need to be like, whoa. No, just drink it. It'll save your ass, idiot. Oh, look at me. I'm hydrating with class. No, you're not. You're a goof. Oh, it's got bubbles. Fuck off. So I kept accidentally buying. I bought a giant thing thinking it had the mountains on it. Everything was in Norwegian. So how was I supposed to know? And I was too lazy to do the, the um, any kind of a translation. So I would just take a chance. I would be like, this looks like mineral water. Some of them even said mineral. So I figured that meant flat. And lo and behold, I open it and it goes and I went, oh, no. And I took a sip and I went, oh, no. I hate sparkling water and I kept buying it by accident. And everything's so expensive that I was like, well, there goes six fucking Canadian dollars down the drain. And I have to drink this fizzy bullshit. No. <coughs> I tried an espresso in Stockholm and it was disgusting. I was... <laughs> okay, to now to jump forward to the Stockholm part. I've stayed at a hostel in Old Town, and I'm and I didn't and I picked this hostel because it was on maybe a little bit on the pricier side of hostels, but the ratings. I went for like the best rated one, and this was the best rated one, especially for safety. I wanted to make sure that. I didn't want to take any chances with safety. I just really wanted to feel assured. And um, this one was in Old Town in Stockholm, Sweden. And um, which is when you step out, it's it's the um, thin cobblestone walkways that that aren't a grid. They just sort of 
branch out in this labyrinthian cobblestone beautiful little shops and cafes and then it would open to a courtyard and there was a fountain where people would like fill their water bottles and and drink straight from the fountain and i said what because that would never happen anywhere in toronto easily but i had an espresso at one of the cafes and i was like ugh because i wanted to be so european so bad and i tried it and it was disgusting okay guys man my head is starting to hurt fuck i really want to continue but my throat is getting sore my mouth is getting dry and my head is starting to hurt so should I, like, do a part two? I, f I feel like I want to do a part two. I apologize. I know this is very sudden. I've been going for almost an hour. Crap. This is Europe part one. And I'm releasing it at an odd time. I know Tuesdays are usually the way to go. And I will do my best to... This will be a two-parter that happens in the week. Within the same week, I will do my best to have part two out on Tuesday. But I think this is the way I'm going to do it. I just decided this just now because, um, and I'm starving. I haven't eaten all day. I, for this shoot, I made sure I didn't have any lunch. They had a buffet. It's so unfair. They had a buffet for this shoot. And I didn't want to eat anything because the bikini scene was right after. And so I didn't eat anything because I wanted to stay skinny and I didn't want to bloat. And then my body was basically obscured with beach balls anyways for the scene. So I really could have ate as much as I goddamn wanted. Fuck. Anyways, I'm starving and I need to make food. And I'm starting to get lightheaded, so I'm going to call it. Um, Stockholm. We will start from Stockholm. Okay? I apologize for cutting this short. Um, I didn't want to waste a, oh, I didn't want to waste a moment looking pretty with my professional makeup. Um, I didn't do the lighting right for this. How about now? I mean, that's a little better. It's a bit faded. Whatever. I'm, you guys, I'm, talk about faded. I woke up at 5 a.m. this morning to get ready and, and leave. So I'm also recording this at 10.20 p.m uh currently and so i i owe it to myself to stop and i apologize this is abrupt i hope you enjoyed it anyways this has been alval the sleepy traveler what did you expect i am alval the sleepy traveler and um i've been traveling a lot and lord knows that i am sleepy guess so i want to thank you guys for tuning in Thank you for rejoining me. I hope I didn't lose too many of you. And I hope that this episode comes highly anticipated. But I'm back. And I'm going to get back on the routine. There is so much in my life going on right now. Good and bad. Um, some of the... I mean, there's personal shit that I really am not going to get into. Because believe it or not, some things in my life are sacred. But trust me, they're shitty. And, um, but there's also a lot of good. I'm enjoying, um, a challenging period of a lot of work. I'm, I'm very busy working very hard and, um, that's not a bad thing. That's a great thing. Life is good. I'm back. I will return to Europe. I will definitely be performing at Lotter Comedy Club next year, likely during Pride. Unfortunately, their pride is at the same time as Toronto's is, and Toronto's pride is at the same time as my birthday on June 29th, so I, I am faced with the difficult decision of do I stay in Toronto and make as much money as I can staying at home during Pride Month, because it's a busy month with a lot of work, or do I spend pride elsewhere do i spend pride in europe touring do i spend my birthday out there i just heard myself say oot so we really do say out do i spend my birthday out there out 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 yeah yeah i am so canadian anyways um this has been alval the sleepy traveler herglas uh, aka 
Herglis Burglis. Which one's Bagger? With Theodore Shramplington. Fuck, I forgot the name. I know it rhymed. Um, anyways. Which one's Bagger? Stockholm or Oslo? I'll let you do that one. That's a real challenge. Anyways, tune in next week when we got Ron DeSantis back again. He really struggled with the challenge this week. He's going to have his answer for us next week. He couldn't provide it this week. He needs to go back and uh, take some empirical data to find out which one's bagger, a gallon of milk or a refrigerator. And we're going to hear from Ron DeSantis next week anyways. Um, welcome back, Al Val, from her trip to Europe. We're glad to have you. Okay, that's enough. Um... Yeah, God bless. I don't care. What else? Nothing. Have a good day. Go drink water and make it flat. Okay, you don't need the bubbles. Fuck you. Don't do it with the bubbles or I'll murder you. No, I won't do that. That's stupid. If you like bubbles, then whatever. Um, But I also think it's excessive and weird. Okay, thanks. This has been Podius. I'll see you soon. Bye.